Jonah. Hoss, I wanted you to raise your hand on that. Simon Barjona. Hoss Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, this is red letter. Everybody say red letter. That means Jesus is speaking. In verse 18, it says, And I will say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Everybody say my church. Now, say it like you go to a galactic Pentecostal church. My church. Thank you. All right. My church. So, he said, I will build my church in the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And notice it says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. But notice the key verse, key part of the verse, you can underline it, it says, I will build my church. I will build my church. Let's look over at Ephesians 4. Take notes. 
grow up. Thank you. 
so we need to know why the church is important. So, tonight, we're going to be talking about several different things, but first of all, I just want to say this, that you are the church of today, not the church of tomorrow. You need to understand that we need you at Church on the Rock right now, today. We don't have time to wait till we get older, get married, start having kids, and then like, okay, I'm going to get planted, I'm going to start giving, I'm going to start serving. No, we need you right now. And I know about me, I have a big vision for this church. So meaning we need everybody all in this thing together, moving forward, because we're going to need a lot of leaders. We're going to need a lot of people who know what they're doing. We need a lot of people because when the harvest comes, we need to have the people ready to go. So we need you to be the church today, not the church tomorrow. Like this is just my parents' church and my grandparents' church. No, this is your church. This is your time. And we need all of you. How many know God's church? We need young people. We need middle-aged. We need older people. We need everybody in the body of Christ because that's what gives us our strength that it's not just one age group. We have the old, the middle-aged, the the young. We have all age groups working together. And how many know that's the way God planned it because the church is a family. In your family, you don't just have one age group. You have all different sorts of age groups and you learn things from each other. Just like the older people can learn learn from our passion, true, but we can learn from from their wisdom. So uh, it's not like, okay, well, let's just throw the old people out of our church because they're not passionate like we are. No, we need their wisdom, and we need their understanding so we don't make the same mistakes they have made. And I'm just preaching, and I'm not even on my notes, so it's good. We're trying to build something special. I don't know if you realize this, but we're trying to build something special uh, in southern Indiana, Louisville area. And uh, you're just like, well, there's a lot of churches around here. Good. And, and I hope all those churches are full today because there's a lot of lost people in this region. And how I many of well, you wouldn't hurt any church in the community if every church was full? There would still be plenty of lost people left over to go around for all of us. Okay? It's not like we just want one church to succeed and the other church to fail. No, we want all churches to succeed. And, and um, talking about that, which we're going to get into later on, you need to be very careful with the way you talk about other churches. Okay. And I'll be the first one to say, I've cracked jokes, we've all cracked jokes about different churches, and even though we're joking around, it's still not always the right thing to do because they're part of the church as much as you're a part of the church. They're a part of the body of Christ just like you're a part of the body of Christ. They're part of the bride of Christ, just like you're part of the bride of Christ. Jesus doesn't, doesn't take too kindly to you talking bad about his bride. Whether it's a part of the bride you agree with or not, it's still his bride. It's still his bride. Okay? And I just want to say that ahead of time because when I talk about the church tonight, of course I'm going to be talking about our church and the local church, but you need to think about the church globally that we're part of the church globally, and we should support any church that is believing in Jesus, that wants to see people saved, that believes the Bible. We want to see those churches succeed, whether it's Northside, Graceland, uh, you know, a Church of God in Christ Church, a Methodist Church, a Lutheran Church, whatever church it is, if they're preaching Jesus and the Bible, we should be for them, not against them, okay? And, and not be divided over secondary issues that's not going to keep you out of heaven or hell because you don't rain tongues. That's not a main issue. It's a 
good so far, though. Hey, I like this pocket. I don't know, for some reason, I like this in my pocket right now. My hands in my pocket. So, a couple things we want to answer tonight. What is the church? Is it important? Does it matter anyways? Said the college student.
know that because Jesus died, He rose again, He sent the Holy Spirit, that God's presence doesn't, presence doesn't just dwell in a box, doesn't just dwell in a building. Okay? We don't have to go to a building to experience God's presence. God lives in us now. And the New Testament talks about we are the house of God. Every one of you in here is the house of God because the Spirit of God rests on the inside of you, which is true. And some people will use that excuse. Well, I'm the house of God, so I don't need to go to the house of God. No, it's twofold. We see this in the New Testament. Yes, you are the house of God, but it also talks about specifically when believers come together, we make up the house of God or the church. And you can't separate the two. They go together. So yes, you are the house of God, but when we come together, we become the house of God or the church. We see something else about the church is that we realize this building is not the church. Okay? This building is not the church. You are the church. But we need a building to facilitate a house of the church. Okay? In the same way, your family needs a house to dwell and to sleep and to eat together and to, to do things together. Your family needs a house in the same way God's family needs a house. Because, I mean, it's easier to listen to me with a sound system uh, with air conditioning, uh, with the rain not hitting you, and a nice comfy seat, it's so much easier to listen to somebody preaching in that kind of environment. So we see every church needs a house. We need a house to dwell in. And we see that the house of God in the New Testament is the church. So 1 Timothy 3.15, notice it says that you should know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Now we see in, in the beginning of Acts 1 and Acts 2, the early church, or the birth of the church, in Acts 1 and verse 2, and it, it talks not only about people being the house of God, but they met in temples or houses that made up house of God or the church. So we see both. You can't separate the two. Some people try to separate the two because they want to do their own thing. Let me just get to the, the bottom of it. They want to do their own thing so they say, well, I'm just a house of God. I don't need a house to go to. That, that's a lie. Uh, because the New Testament church didn't believe like you. So, who's right and who's wrong? No, the Bible's right and you're wrong. So uh, we're going to get into scriptures about that. Here's uh, some objections. Here's some objections to the church. We're here to people. I'm just really not into organized religion. I'm really not into organized religion. And we know of people, me and some other people here, that, that like our church and they like us and they enjoy the message, but they still won't come to church on a regular basis because that's their excuse. I'm really not into organized religion. Good for you, because I'm not either. Jesus didn't come to make an organized religion. He came to birth the church. Okay, now people turn it into religion, but Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Okay, other people have made it into a religious thing, like all the rest of the false religions around the world. But Jesus came to bring life and life more abundantly. He came to build the church, His kingdom on earth, not 
we're not talking about religion here. We're talking about the church. And not to be too cliche, which this is an overused Christian word, but it is it is true that here we're not talking about a religious system, but actually a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're preaching here, not just a religious thing like you need to give and you need to be a nice person and you need to walk grannies across the street and then you'll go to heaven and just trying to be a good person on earth. That's religion, okay? Not that you shouldn't walk sweet grannies across the street because they might give you some money in like a, a Werther's original out of their purse. <laughs> Wouldn't they give you a Werther's original? It's probably 10 years old, but they give you a Werther's original out of their purse. So we see here that, that Jesus didn't come to start a religion, but so we can have a relationship with God. And that's why I said I don't want to be cliche because we say, well, I'm not in religion, I'm in a relationship with God. That's a bumper sticker, but it has some fear to it. Quiet. Quiet. My bad. I didn't like that. Two screens. Two screens that I did. I'm sorry. There's, there's probably only a couple of you guys' cards, so I apologize for that. Here's one. Here's one that I like. I don't come to church because the church is full of hypocrites. I love this. I love this. The church is full of hypocrites. That's why I don't come to church. <laughs> yes, true. Everyone at church is a hypocrite, including you, including the pastor, including the worship leader. Duh. Everyone's a hypocrite. Everyone's a hypocrite. Do you not realize that? All of us in here are hypocrites. Have we ever said one thing and done, it, done the other? All of us in here have said one thing and done the other. All of, it, all of us in here have heard a message and then a couple hours later done the complete opposite. We're all hypocrites in here. Get over it. Okay? That's not the standard for coming to a church. Because every church you go to, everyone there will be a hypocrite and will not be perfect. So that's the reason you're looking to come to a church. You're never going to find one like that. Because you are a hypocrite yourself. So we've got to realize here, we don't come to church for other people anyways. Because we're all hypocrites here. We're, we don't come to church because people are perfect, because nobody's perfect. We come to church because Jesus is perfect, and we're not. And we're saying we need help. That's why we're coming to church. We're saying we're imperfect and we can't help ourselves. That's why we need a church to come to because we serve a perfect God. But we're not perfect. Now we're trying, we're growing, we're, we're making progress, but we're never going to be perfect. So we're all hypocrites in here, so get over that. If that was your, uh, your excuse for not coming? No? Okay. Don't talk. And, and this is what some people will even say, too, that has kept a lot of people out of church. Well, I feel like a hypocrite if I come to church. Meaning this. When I get my life together, when I get my life together, when I get my ducks in the room, when I stop smoking and drinking and cussing, then I start coming to church. You will never get your life together apart from Jesus. So you ain't never coming to church then. Because if that was the qualifications, nobody would be here. Once again, you don't come to church because you have your life together. You're admitting you don't have your life together and you need Jesus. That's why you're coming. 
So this whole idea, because I've heard it from the best of them, you know, I just, you know, baby, <laughs> I'm just not ready to come back to church right now. I kind of feel like a hypocrite. Let me clean up my life a little bit, then I'll start coming back. You won't ever come back. Because then we will make sure that you don't feel clean enough to ever come back. That's not why you come back. No, you come back admitting your need for a savior.
were written were written to local churches or a group of local churches. You can't get out of this. I'm going to keep going. Timothy and Titus were pastors of local churches. Peter, James, and John, who wrote books in the New Testament, were leadership in the local church. I just did the whole New Testament right there. You can't get out of the local church and say, I'm just a part of the global church, not the local church. No, that is being untrue to say that you're just a part of the global church without the local church. Because you can't be honest and look at these facts and say that I don't need to be a part of the local church. When all the people in the New Testament were a part of local churches or leadership in the local church. No, you need a local church. Notice Jesus said, I will build my church. My church. Now, Jesus said, I will build my church. And that is one of the only times that Jesus uses those words when he says my church. Because most of the time he's talking about the Father. Or he's talking about the Spirit. And a lot of times he's saying this is the Father and this is the Spirit. And he doesn't say much about himself having ownership over anything. But there's one thing specifically, and I'm going to start preaching here. There's one thing he takes personal ownership over, and it is the church. And he said, my church. My church. Jesus said it's his church. Notice the church is the gift given to the Son. The church is the gift that the Father gave to his Son, Jesus. It is the church. And you see, Jesus and his church are one. The rains are coming from heaven. Are you guys too hot in here? Okay. Um, okay, just you. We preached already. That's right. So we see here Jesus and his church are one. And let me go into this. We see in the New Testament that Jesus talks about the church. He also uses the words the body of Christ. Same thing as the church. Or he talks about the bride of Christ. Same thing as the church. And he said in Ephesians 5.25, you can just write this down. Jesus said he loved the church and he gave himself for the church. Jesus loves the church and he gave himself for the church. So how can we talk against the church? If Jesus loves the church and he gave himself for the church, shouldn't we be the first ones to love the church and give ourselves for the church? If Jesus loves it and gave himself for it, shouldn't our lives be about loving it and, and giving ourselves for it? And Jesus said, he's only building one thing on the planet, and that's his church. That's his church. He's only building one thing on the planet. He's not building your business. He's not building your family. He's not building uh, just certain ministries that try to come up and do certain things. He's building his church. Now, if your ministry or your family or your business wants to be a part of the church, then he'll build that. But if you're not, what he's blessing and what he's building is the local church. And we see this, a lot of people say, well, God, come bless what I'm doing. And he says, well, actually, you can give in on my blessing if you start building my church. That's saying, I want to do my own thing, and God, just put your blessing upon me. That's not the way it works. God's already blessing something, and it's called the church. So get involved with what he's building. Notice Jesus and the church are one. That's his pride. So we can't talk against it. We can't downgrade the church because I don't think Jesus 
would take very kindly to you talking about his woman like that. He wouldn't take very kindly to you talking about his bride like that. But so many people are critical of the church and don't think twice about it. But they don't realize that's the bride you're talking about. I don't care that some people hurt you or did the wrong things. Maybe that's true that that really happened. But at the same time, it's still his bride. And once again, people aren't perfect. He's perfect. And we're building this church. Some interesting pause when Paul got converted. He's knocking off his horse with a bright light. And up to that time, Paul had been persecuting Christians. He had been uh, killing Christians. He had been persecuting his church. Big time. But notice when Paul got knocked off the horse, Jesus said to him, Why did he persecute you, Paul? Paul didn't do anything to Jesus. Jesus was in heaven. Okay, Paul was not doing anything to Jesus. Why did he say, Paul, why did he persecute you? Because the church and Jesus are one. So if you pick on the church, you're picking on Jesus. They're one. Like a husband and a wife are one, Jesus and his bride are one. You can't separate them. So that's why he was very upset at Paul and said, why did he persecute you? Why? How can you say that? Because he's persecuting his church. And what you do to his church, you're doing to Jesus. Here's something I love people don't say. I just love Jesus, but not the church. You separate the two. That's his girl. That's his woman. That's his bride. You cannot separate Jesus and the church. They go together. You get, you get one, you get the other one. And so many people, especially in North America, okay, we, they don't have to preach messages like this in most countries. Just in, in countries like North America. You know why? Because other countries are begging for a local church like this. Other, church, other countries would give up everything if they could just hang out with some fellow believers and meet together. You notice all this, this I, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church, it only comes out of the Western world. It only comes out specifically more of America, where we think we can do whatever we want because we're Americans, and we're prideful, and we're independent, and we're unthankful for what we have. When other countries would give up everything just to be in one church service, with some other believers who love God. Some of those people would give up everything just to have a full copy of the Bible. And we have multiple Bibles on our phone, in our iPad, and in our house. And we still can read it. I just had to throw that in for a second. And they would give up everything just for a couple of chapters in the Bible. But notice this idea, I love Jesus, but not the church. You can't, you can't separate the two. You cannot separate Jesus you guys get something so far. John 2.17, you can just write this down real quick. John 2.17 says, in the New Living Translation, this is Jesus speaking, it says, passion for God's house will consume you. Passion for God's house will consume you. Can I ask that 
the one you say is your Savior and Lord, and who you love, says that I'm building my church, I love my church, I give myself for my church, and passion for my house will consume me. Shouldn't we live the same way he lived about his church? Thank you. 
faith and their safety in the local church because that's the way that God made it to be. The Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. If you're living it alone, you're not doing it the way that God meant it to be. Because there's strength and there's safety together. Now, how many know we're stronger together than we are apart? That's why the church is so important. That's why the church is so powerful. That's why when we come to church and we get in this corporate atmosphere together, God's power and presence is sometimes so much stronger than you by by yourself because when we come together, we're stronger together than we are apart. And we can get more accomplished together than we can apart. That's why the enemy tries to fight unity in the body of Christ so hard. Because we're stronger together than we are apart. Let's read Acts 2 and verse 42. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. Verse 46, So continually, daily, with one accord, or unity, in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Verse 47, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Notice that. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So we see here in Acts 2, 42-47, was the first 3,000 believers in the church. And we know in Acts 2, Peter gave the altar call, 3,000 people got saved. So the first local church was in Jerusalem and had 3,000 people in it. wasn't a small church. On the first day of the church, 3,000 people got saved and started a local church. 3,000 of them. And notice it says, this is what they were doing in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And realize in the language it's talking about here, it's not talking the majority of time about this being at church. It's talking about outside of the church. Because you got to realize the church is, is the family of God, but it's the community of God. And we need to do life together. That's why God gave you a church family to live life together. Not just on Sunday mornings and Thursday nights. No, to do life together, to love each other, to encourage one another. And notice the Word talks about them eating together. Hello? It's scriptural to go out and eat together after Corey. Isn't it? They ate together. It talks about they prayed together. And notice it says when, when one had a need, the other people in the group would help them with that need. You know, if you see other people in our group with a financial need, you could go help them with that need. And you don't have to have somebody from the pulpit come up and say, hey, can you give them? No, they're your family. That's your community. You can still help them by yourself. Because you're taking care of your family, and vice versa. If that other person was in need, or you were in need, you could expect the same results. Why? Because 
with you, you need to search for maturity. Here's what people say. Well, I don't need to search to be a Christian. No, you don't. You don't. I just need Jesus. Just me and Jesus. Okay, man, you and Jesus can get into heaven. Because you're going to be a baby on earth. Hold on. Because you can't grow yourself up. That's why you need a local church. Because if you never get involved in a local church and plug into the family of God, you will never mature in your walk with God. Never. That's not me just making that up. That's what the Word of God says. Because it talks about the ministry gifts, which are in the local church. You need them. You need a pastor. You need teachers. You need apostles, prophets, evangelists. And if you don't have those people speaking into your life, you will never mature and grow up in God. Never. So yes, you can be a Christian and not go to church, but you'll be a baby one your whole life. And you'll be, like it says, a child. And the Word of God says that you should no longer be children. Why? Because God expects you to grow up. It's okay if you're a baby Christian right now, but don't stay there. God expects all of us in here to not be babies our whole lives. We need to grow up in God. We need to mature in God. And that only happens in the local church. You can't do it by yourself. And it says here in uh, verse 8, it says, He gave gifts to men. So God sent you gifts and a pastor and a teacher and an evangelist and an apostle and a prophet. He sent you those gifts to build you up to mature you and to teach you so you will grow up in God. And you can't do that yourself. You cannot pastor yourself. That's why you and your friends at Starbucks, you cannot pastor yourself. You can't keep yourself accountable. People try to separate, so you can't separate. And you need spiritual leaders and spiritual authority in your life. Because you can't do it yourself. You can't, you can't pastor yourself. You can't watch over yourself. You can't spiritually feed yourself to one level. You can do it in your personal devotion life, but it's different when God gave you gifts to do that. Too much teaching? Okay. So we see that God gave you gifts and gave you the local church so you can mature. And if you don't have those, you will be a baby Christian. You're going to heaven. God bless you. You'll be a baby. You won't grow up. Now, God gave you spiritual leaders and spiritual authority in your life, and that comes through the local church. And one of the things they do is they feed you spiritually. They feed you spiritual food. And we know this, that it talks about pastors more specifically. And another word for pastor would be a shepherd. What do shepherds do to their sheep? They lead them into pastor. Pastors lead them. <laughs> I wasn't serious when I said that. <laughs> you know that would be a corn Christian quote. quote what, what is it? Pastors lead them into pastors. Shepherds lead sheep into pastures so they can eat. In the same way, you need pastors or shepherds in your life to lead you into the right places spiritual food. And you can't lead yourself. Why? Because it says we're all sheep in here. And you know anything about sheep? Sheep are dumb. 
children you need to be good to them, be accountable to them, be responsible to them. Don't make them chase chase you your whole life. And realize that a pastor or a leader looks over you not because they're out to get you, because they see danger coming and they want to protect you from it. In the same way, why a shepherd has a staff is to protect the sheep in case a wolf comes nearby. That's what pastors and leaders do when they speak into your life. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. But they're doing it not because they're out to get you, not because they want to hurt you. They're doing it because they want to protect you. So you need to be thankful for those people and not get mad at those people and leave discouraged because somebody says something real to you and, and says something that's wrong in your life because they're trying to save your life. You know, if somebody speaks into your life, says something straight, says something strong, don't let the first re- reaction be defensive. Especially if you know who that person is. Listen to that person. Why? Because they are trying to watch out over your soul to protect it from harm. And if you don't take their advice, you will never mature when it comes to harm. You still here? One last point for you. So you need a community, and you need it for maturity. Lastly, you need it for stability. Stability. In Ephesians 4, notice it says in verse 14, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Notice that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Let's look over at Psalms 92. Psalm 92. Psalm 92 and verse 12. It says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. There is there is no unrighteousness in him. So notice it says the righteous shall flourish. They shall grow. We just talked about growth. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Notice those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Now, we just read in Ephesians, when you're not planted in the house, when you're not planted in the local church, you're going to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that somebody comes up. Not just pastors, but professors and friends and whoever talks to you. You'll be tossed to and fro, and you will live an unstable life your whole life if you're not planted in the house of God. And then in, in Psalms 92, it says those who are planted in the house will flourish. And we see this so many times in the Bible. God talks about His people being like trees. And we see that trees are only stable when they're planted. You're only stable when you're planted. If a tree is not planted, just like today, it's really windy outside. If a tree was not planted today, guess what? The wind would blow it over. 
so many Christians that are not claimed in the house of God. That's why their life is back and forth all the time, up and down, in and out. There's no stability in their life because they're not claiming. So any wind comes your way, you will fall over because you're not claiming in the house of God. And when you get planted in the local church, that brings stability to every area of your life. There's another thing about you when you get planted that brings stability. When you get planted, your roots go down deep and you start bearing fruit. So many people are talking about, oh, I just want to bear fruit. I want the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I want other fruit in my life. I want to see results in my life, in other words. If you're not planted, don't expect any fruit. Out of the tree that's not planted, and there's no fruit. You can't get out of the tree. It's not planted anywhere, so if there's no fruit, it makes perfect sense. When so many people, I don't understand why there's no fruit in my life. I don't see any results. Are you planted? Because only planted trees that have their roots go down deep will bear fruit. That's why you need to love the church. You got to be planted in the house of God. When you're playing it, you're stable. You don't let things blow you around. You don't, you don't let uh, the cares of this life blow you over because you have stability because of the church, but also you bear fruit. Brother John's famous quote, a lot of Christians are tumbleweed Christians. If you ever get playing it, you know, tumbleweeds don't have any fruit. And tumbleweeds are restaurants don't have any Tumbleweed, the rest of us got issues too. I'm just saying, they're connected. I don't know. But notice, tumbleweeds don't bear any fruit. Why? Because they're constantly moving and they never get planted. They never get planted. You need to be planted in the house of God. Then it will bring stability to your life. You'll see fruit in your life. Now, as we're closing in, That are, that are getting older, they're not old, but they're getting older, and why is their life so stable? Why is their life so solid? Why do they get results for their prayer life all the time? Why are they, they they're healthy in their body, they're financially well off, they seem like they just keep going from glory to glory, and blessing to blessing, and faith to faith. These people have been planted for a long time, and guess what? Their roots have, have, have went down deep into the soil, and the, the more the roots go down deep, the more fruit that they bear. That's a promise in the Word of God. Even when you get in your older age, if you're still playing in the house of God, you're going to be refreshed. You're going to be flourishing. Your, your life's going to be great. You're not going to be in a nursing home. You're not going to be, you know, uh, just full of sickness and disease. You're not going to be financially in a bad place when you get over. No, if you're planted in God's house, it's going to get better, not worse. I see people like Paul and Don, my God, pillars of the church. Brother Lester, Miss Mary, Dale and Arlene, people that have been claiming for a long time. And guess what? There's fruit on their tree. And not just with health, not just with finances, but in their family, there's fruit on the tree. And that doesn't happen by accident. Was that, that happened by year 
complaining to God's house and not uprooting themselves all the time. I mean, a lot of Christians do. Go from church to church, uprooting themselves. You're never going to bear any fruit. You're never going to be stable when you constantly uproot yourself. But we see 